Hi, I'm Steve Barlow. This is the Humanised Workforce Future You podcast series, where we ask people from all walks of life to talk about their perception of the future and their role in a rapidly changing work and life environment. Hi, I'm Craig Saffin. Day by day, we are all learning to live with the impact technology, AI, and changing health and social conditions have on our lives. Mostly, it is presented as scary and a loss of opportunities. The Humanised Workforce Future You podcast series thinks the future is bright and something to look forward to. Let's see what today's guest thinks. Today's guest is Galvin Davis. Galvin is a creative director for a digital agency called Protein. He's also a co-founder of a creative workspace called Hearco, and he's an author and a filmmaker. Let's hear what Galvin's got to say for us today. My name's Steve Barlow, and as always, we're joined today by Craig Saffin. How are you, Craig? Morning, Steve. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you as well. And we've got as our special guest today, Galvin Davis. Welcome, Galvin. Hello. How are you guys? Great, great. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Galvin, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and a bit about your background and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the director and creative director of a brand and digital agency called Protein, uh, which has been going for around 20 years. We do all kinds of things in the creative and digital space, everything from working with big brands like ASICS to creating a lot of work for migrants. Uh, We work with the Migrant Council of Australia to create a lot of the multi-language work in digital forms, such as apps. We do commercials and many other things. I'm also one of the co-founders and co-directors of Here Co-working in Piermont, which is a, uh, a creative co-working space, which is very different to other co-working spaces. And uh, I think we were ahead of our time about five years ago when we developed the sort of uh, strategy around it. And then additionally, I also am an author and filmmaker. Um, I've had a published children's book with Random House, and uh, I go to Los Angeles for a few film projects every now and again. So I do lots of work and I'm a father of three, so I'm a very busy person. Wow, that's amazing collection of uh, on your career there, like uh, a lot of developments. What what are you really passionate about in amongst all that? To be honest, my my passion originally and always has been since I was eight years old was, was film. So I've always pursued my passion of film. However, when I when I left school at 16 in the UK back in those days, uh, my father said, look, you, you can go and work in the film industry, but I want you to have a career be, uh, behind you. So I, I always felt like I loved creativity. So I went off to the London College of Design and Print learn to be a designer and then I used that to springboard into the business and, and I hoped that one day it would allow me to follow my passion of writing and filmmaking which it has done which has been fantastic I mean to be honest with you as well I'm also very passionate about the way that people work together whether that's in the design agency or in film or in the co-working space. Mm, how, how interesting uh, the the creative design piece has been uh, surprising to uh, both Steve and myself is has been a constant theme in this uh, series of interviews we've been doing for the podcast. Um, so it's uh, fortuitous that we're speaking to you who's a creative design expert. Um, can you can you tell us w- what is the impact that creative design is having on the humanising of work, work in, um, and how things are evolving? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the, the pure things about creativity is that we're, we're all born creative and then over time, you know, it, it is sort of squashed and out of us through various means. So I think a lot of us are quite lucky as adults to try and retain as much creativity as possible. 
the thing that certainly during COVID, what, what it showed me is that the importance of being together as humans to be creative. Um, being creative over Zoom really doesn't work. Being in a space and being able to be close to people, I think creativity brings uh, a lot of community to the work. You know, we're able to work in a, in a community sense by having designers sit around a table and work together. And one of the things that I, I find fascinating about creativity is the communications piece. So especially now, again, you know, being able to communicate to people in creative ways is um, it, make, it makes people happy. You know, if you do it well, you yeah. can make people happy. And that's essentially right now, that's what we need to be doing. So, Can you give some examples of that or how, how people communicate to make people happy? That sounds uh, fascinating to me. So, Yeah, yeah I've got a, a very recent uh, one, which is, we were building and developing with the Migration Council of Australia the Migrancy app, which is essentially is called the Miles Migrancy app or Miles app. And it is an app that essentially we were developing so that every migrant that comes to the country that may need to know about living in Australia, they can download a really simple app and explore what you need to do to get a driver's license or take your kids to school or whatever else it might be. But the idea was to have an app where you can literally switch between 24 to 30 different languages at the touch of a button. Now, as we were developing that, COVID hit. And obviously, migrants coming into Australia at that point, the, you know, the, the borders were shut, so they couldn't do that. And then we had this immediate um, request for being able to take that app and do good with it. And, and how do migrants get information about COVID-19? Because at the time, all of the information that was coming out, certainly in the sort of general media, was in English. So if English isn't your first language, how do you learn about the, uh, how, to, how to cope with COVID. Um, of course, a lot of people that didn't speak English as their first language then looked to their own countries and we're getting information from there which wasn't relevant to Australia. So we were able to spin up this app within three to four weeks where they could download it. It's called Miles COVID app and they could immediately open up the app, switch to their language. But we used the communications of the app to create animations in there. So rather than having this, you know, right now, what we don't need is long pieces of documents and text telling us how bad it all is because of COVID. What we did was turn them into animations with characters to help people, you know, uh, cope with, cope and manage with their well-being, cope and manage with their finances. Um, so it was a way of us being able to take a creative piece about a really dire and, you know, potentially harmful subject matter and get it out there in a positive way. That's amazing. It'd be, uh, you know, that um, that language piece and the migrant piece was actually literally a matter of life and death for, during the COVID, the peak of COVID in Sydney. There were people dying because they couldn't speak English properly and things like that. They couldn't get to hospital quick enough and things like that. So um, what you're talking about there is introducing that creative piece to in, improve um, people's lives in a multicultural environment, aren't you? So. Yeah, and, and, and in particular, you know, using the creative piece to do it in a way that had positivity because, as I said, you know, a lot of the communications are very sort of black and white. There's no sort of visual reference for it. And we were able to do it in a way that really kind of lifted the spirits. Um, I think the Migration Council of Australia are doing an amazing job of that. Mm, very interesting. Can I just uh, switch pace a little bit? Uh, you've got a, you said you've got a creative workspace in in um, in Piermont. Um, yeah. Down the road, I know because I live in Piermont. Is, is, there's um, we've got WeWork and we've got Watso. Um, how is your creative workspace um, uh, interacting with people, or allow people to work in a different way to those environments? 
Yeah, so we started here co-working about five years ago, and uh, myself and uh, my partner, Karen, we used to have another co-working space, which we sold, and we took all the learnings of that, and um, you know, we, we essentially <laughs> created a co-working space for what we call considerate co-working. One of the things we found running a co-working space and having other people come to us was that the, the biggest sort of issue people had in co-working is other people. You know, <laughs> you're working in a communal space with other human beings, and you have considerate human beings and you have people that maybe don't realize they're being inconsiderate. So we wanted to create a co-working space that had uh, a focus on well-being and a focus on considerate co-working. So five years ago, again, way ahead of, uh, we think ahead of the, of the game, we decided that we were going to create a co-working space that had space. If you look at the larger co-working uh, brands, it's all about bums on seats. How many bums can you fit on seats? Yeah. For us, it was about whose bums are sitting on the seats. Right. So we created a space where we forewent, uh, I guess, the sort of chasing the capital gain of it. And we looked at creating a space where we had much larger desks, which means less people, mm. much more space between desks, which means less people again, oh. creating a space that was waterfront. So we wanted to find a waterfront property so that we could have fresh air, we could have natural light, all the things that are conducive to people working well. And mm. then we knew that the right people would be attracted to the space. Okay. So people that understood that it's not about having, you know, free beer carts that come around or, which is, which, you know, a lot of people do like that. Yeah. For us, there's nothing more distracting than yeah, drinking sure. alcohol in the workplace. You can bring your own alcohol and put it in there. But so we want to create something where there was a community of creative, like-minded people that could not just prop each other up in terms of helping each other with work, but helping each other out with mental well space. And it's been, mm. you know, over the years, it's been a huge success. Obviously, with COVID, that's been a huge challenge for us. And it's, it's not made things easy at all. However, because of the foresight that we had and the effort we put in at the beginning, the first thing that happened when COVID, the restrictions eased, was that we were the only co-working space with 1.5 metre desks. Right. So we were the only co-working space where you could safely social distance next to someone and still continue working. We had fresh air, we had natural light, all the things that are there to make people feel better right, 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 um, right. and fight COVID. Um, so I really feel like, you know, that that's the difference with us is that we were ahead of our time in terms ready of for COVID before it hit, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and look, fortunately for us, I think that's the thing COVID's shown us is that the most important thing at the moment and probably into the future is mental well-being. So, so workspaces should be set up for that and not be set up for transient working and just getting as many people through as possible. Yeah, sure, we're, yeah. we're a huge believer in that. And that has also meant that we have kept the vast majority of our members um, and our residents in the space. Amazing. Yeah, a lot of the big companies are grappling with that now, but you've been doing it for five years, so it's interesting. What about uh, you're a leader and uh, you, you would interact with a lot of leaders as your clients, right? And um, you've also mentioned today about creativity and communication have been two key things that have stood out to me from what you've said. How, how has the leadership role changed uh, in, in the last period, um, with the, not only with the pan pandemic, but the requirement for that creativity and that communication piece? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll sort of talk about it uh, first of all on sort of a bit of a microcosm, which is the my, my staff at the creative agency. That's certainly changed. Um, you know, working remotely through Zoom with a team that you have seen, you know, five days a week for the last 20 years of our business was incredibly hard to have that sort of uh, disparate nature of working together. And it, we definitely felt that 
it made it much harder for us to be creative as a team. So now that we're back together, I think one of the things that's really important is we've always been an agency where it's a very, uh, a very level playing field. So, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm the director, I'm not a boss, you know, that's, that's, I don't like the word boss. I used to work for bosses and, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, it was never good to have a hierarchy. So um, we have a very level playing field. So I think it's really important for us as a smaller company to be able to uh, sit around the table and know that we're on a level playing field. So I guess that's not necessarily something that's changed, but it's something that's definitely been very obvious to me after COVID that we were doing the right thing in that way. Um, you know, we're there to support each other. We're not there to sort of tell each other what to do. Um, in terms of other leaders, so I have a really close network of um, good friends who run their own businesses and, and I'll meet with them individually, um, especially now that things have eased. I'll, I think it's more important than ever to sit down with like-minded people to be able to share problems, to be able to solve problems, especially if you can do it in a creative way. Most of the people that I meet with are either clients who get a benefit from my creative thinking and mm. I get a benefit from their expertise, or they're actually friends who have other creative companies in different areas such as visual effects. And I'll meet with them and, you know, we'll do everything from talking socially to talking business to talking challenges and problems. Mm. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is uh, your own system. So I'm a great believer in having a, 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 a system of your own that helps you be busy, build momentum and, and tick off goals. So, you know, I've created a system for myself. I have a book that I carry around with me, which every single day I fill out a list of tasks that I have to do in my personal life mm. so that I make sure that I give attention to my family. I have a list of goals that I do in my professional life, which is a list of goals that helps me tick off work items that are specific to that day. And then I have a third column or a third list called passion which means that I have at least one item every single day that I tick off that is to do with my passion. That way I feel like every day I am keeping on top of balance. I'm able to do stuff that's personal, professional and passion. You know, my passion, I'll make sure that I have, for instance, do an hour of writing today. Mm. It won't be to do with work. It won't be to do with family. That's actually for me. Mm. So yeah, I, I, that's one of the things I'm, I'm a great believer in is having there's a, a dis system. discipline as well. But 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 the fun, oh, yeah, so a lot of discipline and processes. But also, uh, as your function with your team, you're more a, a facilitator of what's going on rather than someone who's uh, command and controlling. Is quite a contrast from what I heard of what you said. A absolutely. I mean, in the creative industries, I worked for a number of agencies in the UK and here, where you know I was a cog in a wheel and I got treated like it. Everybody in our company is as valuable as the next right down to the juniors um and i think that's again it's more important than ever now for everybody to feel valued when they're at work and to feel like they're listened to you know i, I learn easily learn as much we've got we've got a, a junior at the moment who's so amazing and i learn more from her each day than she probably learns from me you know yeah yeah, yeah i uh, often uh I love working with younger people because they have, they bring a totally different perspective. It's sort of that diversity piece in the work. So can I um, uh, go back to uh, the advice your father gave you, and that is about uh, about uh, trying to get a career instead of just uh, getting into film. And that is, um, uh, you know, clearly the film industry and also the making of videos and making of images and things like that has uh, evolved a tremendous amount since you started it's become now very mainstream and you've got phenomenon like uh, YouTube and stuff like that. So what advice would you give to a young person who wanted to get into that sort of creative space and uh, particularly around the uh, making videos or films and things like that? 
Yeah, there's two pieces of advice that I would give. The first thing I would say is that don't talk about making things make things. So the first year of the business of protein, so uh, actually probably second year, so around 18 years ago, I always wanted to use hopefully the success of the business to create. And when I was a bit younger, I, I still had that sort of, you know, uh, I, I guess that same fortitude that I think I've got now, but I'm probably not as ambitious as I was then. Um, two years in, we had just enough money to make a short film. I invested my own money in it. I managed to thankfully uh, win a bit of a, a competition and got a grant from the government for it. And we went out and we shot this film and it changed my life. It was just a short film, but I shot it in a way that it looked like a feature film. So my advice would be, don't talk about things, make things, but make them the best you can. One of the problems at the moment is because everything is so oversaturated and it's so readily available, the people will pump out stuff that is good enough as quick as they can. Yeah. What I did was take the time to invest in creating something that gen genuinely looked like a feature film. I ended up um, getting a deal with uh, um, an American production company. I got an American agent. Um, it span into a deal with a graphic novel and a bunch of other things. But it was because I had made something that stood out from the crowd. So that would be my first piece of advice. Mm. The second piece of advice, which is a difficult one because it's very difficult to do nowadays, is I'm a, I'm a great believer of originality and taking risks. And it's quite hard to do nowadays because uh, it's, quite a, it's quite an opinionated world out there. So, uh, you know, everybody homogenizes what they do nowadays. But, you know, I, I, I sort of worry about the future of writers and musicians and filmmakers because everything that they make now, they know that there are a number of parameters and boxes around them that they yeah, have to yeah. look out for. They don't want to offend people. They don't want to say the wrong thing. Often, often they go into something trying very hard not to offend someone and it will still offend someone. And I think that there are, you know, I re recently listened to a podcast with Chuck Poluniak, who's the uh, the author of Fight Club. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's a, he's a fascinating, very fascinating man. He, he said the same thing. He said, you know, where, where are these great artists going to come from now when everybody is so scared about doing things? And I think, you know, I think, I think that it, it's, it, it's important as in the creative world and as artists, um, I wouldn't necessarily call myself an artist, but for artists that... For young artists, if you're going to make something, you know, try and do something that's really true to what you believe in first. Right. When when it goes off to your agent, they're going to edit it and they're gonna they're going to make it less risky anyway because they're worried. When it goes off to a studio or it goes off to an author, they're going to come in with their two cents. So just remember that whatever you make out of clay is going to get chipped away at. Sure. But but the more original you are and the more authentic you are from the beginning, the less it will get cut back. I've probably just given someone some advice that's going to get them fired, but, um, you know. No, no, I think <laughs> that's, that fan, sounds like fantastic <laughs> advice and it's consistent with other stuff that we've been hearing as well. Yeah. Thank you. Well, what I might do now, Galvin, is just to try and sort of bring some ideas together of what I heard you talk about and uh, focus those ideas for our listeners. Um, yes, obviously, you, you talked a lot about creativity and the importance of creativity, and you talked about communications and the importance of communications and uh, the way that can make people happy and it can make people safe. And I also heard you talk a lot about culture and the way people work together and the importance of creating a space that's amenable for people to feel safe in and for people to do their best work and to support one another that contributes to mental uh, well-being and allows for collaboration. I also heard you talk about balance, and I, I, I th thought that was a, a really important one for me, at least. 
and that the idea that being a creative person doesn't mean that you're, you're a disorganised person. In fact, you need to be organised and you need to be balanced so that you can keep all the balls in the air. And then I also heard you talk about, you know, don't just talk about stuff, actually get out there and do it and do, do the best you can and give it your best shot and try to stand out from the crowd because a lot of other people will not do that. So that's a, an opportunity for you to, to do the best you can and also to be original. Don't be afraid of who you are and of what you've got to contribute. Have some confidence in yourself about that. And I guess tread lightly because there are lots of ways you can get yourself in trouble. But, but at the same time, there is, a, there is a place for us to be original and to have our own voice and to state that with a degree of confidence. So that's what I picked up from what you said today. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's, there's one common denominator with all those things, mm-hmm. which is it's, it, it's never to do that alone. You know, what I've spoken about there is I think it's more important than ever to surround yourself with people, whether that's from a community point of view or being creative. I do worry, you know, with remote working nowadays, I think that there is a tendency for people to think that it's okay to constantly be away from people and work in this way. And I, I hope that one of the things that comes out of this is that people will continue to get together, be together in the same space as human beings. This is called the humanized workforce. And you can only have a humanized workforce with humans in the same space with each other. Fantastic. Fantastic advice. Thank you very That's much, Gavin, for your insights. It was Thank you. Great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humanized Workforce Future You. Please leave a rating or review for the series on the medium where you source your podcast. The transcripts for today's podcast can be found on craigsaffin.com. That's C-R-A-I-G-S-A-P-H-I-N.com. Please subscribe to the series so you don't miss out on the interviews for future guests.